0: Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today, I'm Nomi Inuji-Adeen. Today is Thursday, October 5th. Coming up, big wildfires have long been associated with forested areas, but in recent decades, they've become increasingly common on the Great Plains. We'll learn why fires have become more intense in Kansas and how homeowners can prevent wildfires where they live. Plus, federal lawmakers are negotiating on a new farm bill this year, including a program called Title I. It's supposed to be a buffer against years when crop prices are low, but many farmers say the money would barely cover their costs. Title I does not work. It's not a safety net, it's a safety asphalt. We'll hear why commodity price supports are dividing farmers. But first, some headlines. The Country Club Plaza is now under contract. Officials close to the deal say they expect the sale to Texas retail company HP Village Partners to be completed by the end of the year. The company owns Highland Park Village in Dallas, a luxury shopping district similar to the plaza. Sixth District at-Large City Council member Andrea Boo is excited about the sale. She hopes the new owners will tackle issues like vacancy and crime head-on.
1: If someone is going
2: to make an investment into any property, Um, They're going to do their due diligence. They're going to want to make improvements. The prospective owners, including
0: Ray Washburn, recently purchased an open-air shopping center in North Carolina. Washburn is a top GOP fundraiser. His wife, Heather Hill Washburn, is a descendant of oil baron H.L. Hunt, father of Kansas City Chiefs founder Lamar Hunt. The mother of a 14-year-old who was stabbed at Northeast Middle School is suing Kansas City Public Schools for wrongful death. KCUR's Jody Fortino reports. Officers found Manuel Guzman with stab wounds inside a school bathroom on April 12, 2022. He was taken to a hospital where he died later that night. The lawsuit alleges Kansas City Public Schools failed to address threats made against Guzman and shortfalls in its security measures that allowed a knife to be brought into the building. The fellow student charged in the killing was committed to the custody of the Missouri Division of Youth Services in May after pleading guilty to voluntary manslaughter. The district said it cannot provide detailed comments or discuss specifics because of the ongoing litigation. The former Kansas City, Kansas police detective accused of decades of corruption was hospitalized late Tuesday. KCUR's Peggy Lowe reports.
2: Roger Golubsky was temporarily released from his electronic monitoring device so he could get medical treatment. During his first court appearance in September 2022, Golubsky's attorney said he was very ill, that he'd had heart bypass surgery last year and takes four insulin shots a day for his diabetes. Golubsky has pleaded not guilty to federal charges of sexual assault, kidnapping, and protecting a notorious KCK drug dealer who was running a sex trafficking operation. No trial date is set yet, and Golubsky victims fear his poor health means that it will never happen. People of all gender identities and sexual orientations
0: can now donate blood in Kansas City. Starting during the AIDS epidemic in the 80s, the FDA banned gay and bisexual men from donating blood. Now, the Kansas City Community Blood Center adopted new FDA policies to establish a screening process based on individual donors starting yesterday. Blood Center spokesperson Chelsea Smith says the change comes while the region is experiencing dangerously low levels of blood
2: and platelets. We're excited to be able to invite people into our life-saving mission who formerly weren't able to join us in this way. We know it's incredibly important to members of the Kansas City community, and it's been a long time coming.
0: The FDA officially dropped its blood donation restrictions in May. We'll be back after this. Big wildfires have become more common and more intense in Kansas. That trend is likely to continue, but the risk of wildfire depends on where you live. A new online tool shows Kansans the danger in their neighborhood or area. Celia Yopis-Jepson of the Kansas News Service has been reporting on wildfires. She told me how you can use the tool to assess your own risk. There have been some huge wildfires in Kansas in recent years. I'm remembering the four county fire that burned more than 120,000 acres north of Hayes in 2021.
1: Right. Another example, the Starbuck fire in 2017 burned hundreds of thousands of acres along the Oklahoma border. Most wildfires in Kansas aren't that massive, of course, but there are thousands of wildfires in this state each year. Is the situation definitely getting worse? It is. Uh, Researchers at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln looked at 30 years of fire in the Great Plains states, and they found a five-fold increase in the number of acres that burn each year in big wildfires. Why is that happening? Well, one key reason is not enough controlled fire. It is true that many ranchers burn their land purposefully, uh, mostly in the Flint Hills. But beyond that, people in Kansas have pretty much stopped applying fire the way Native Americans did for centuries. So what impact has that had? Well, I drove around Manhattan with some experts to see for myself. We passed entire hills covered in conifers, and one of my guides, uh, Jason Hartman, he's the state forester for Kansas, pointed out this is a change.
2: You can see photos from aerial photography from not all that long ago where that was grass and a few hardwood trees, maybe from the 60s, 70s.
1: So what's the deal with these evergreens? Well, they're called eastern red cedars, and a lot of landowners don't think they're a problem or else they're struggling to control them sometimes. And so these trees have spread aggressively across the state, and they make fires burn hotter and faster and higher off the ground often, uh, which causes what's called crown fires. We drove up a hill to the top of the World Park so that my, my other guide, Ryan Alms, could point to the kind of forest of cedars below us, uh, budding right up to a housing development. And Alms is the deputy fire chief in Manhattan.
2: And that's always an area that, that has at least uh, had our attention uh, for a long time. And I think a lot of people have pointed out that in the event that we were to get, you know, that crown fire in there, it would be nearly impossible to stop.
1: So these kinds of increased risks nowadays mean that uh, the Manhattan Fire Department coordinates really carefully with other nearby fire departments to move fast, to send more units to any reported fire than they did in the past. But even with great coordination, Hartman, the state forester, says because there are such intense fires in Kansas now, they take longer to put out, and that's stretching firefighters thin.
2: And with a volunteer force in most of our rural areas, that's a big concern because they they have jobs, they have families, they, they aren't available for those longer term as easily as they are for the shorter term grass fires, true grass fires we used to have in the state.
1: What can people do if they want to help? So the Kansas Forest Service has just launched a new online tool called kansaswildfirerisk.org. So you can type in your address there, see the risk right in your area, in your neighborhood. And those risks vary a lot. Um, City fringes, for example, are often high-risk areas. Um, And some rural areas are at much greater risk than others of wildfire, especially where uh, cedars, for example, have taken over grassland. So what are some ways I can prevent wildfire where I live? So you can get tips uh, with that tool. You can download a report for your area. And then some basic steps, for example, for homeowners that you'll learn there are to Keep plants with resin away from the foundation of your house. Um, some evergreens are pretty flammable because of the amount of resin in them. Um, and keeping firewood away from your house. Another very basic tip is to keep the roof of your house clear of leaves and needles. That was Kansas News Service reporter
0: Celia Yopis-Jepson. The Kansas News Service reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. Find more at ksnewsservice.org. prices or harvests get low enough, the government sends money to qualifying farmers to get them through tight years. It's a farm bill program called Title I. As federal lawmakers negotiate a new farm bill this year, some farmers are pushing to get more Title I money. Harvest Public Media's Elizabeth Rumbert takes
2: us back to how the program began and where it is today. During World War I, farmers grew vast amounts of wheat, answering the call from the U.S. government to feed hungry troops and allies.
1: This war is a people's war. The final outcome will be determined in the factories, the mills, the farms.
2: When the war ended in 1918, demand went with it. Prices collapsed and farmers burned their grains as fuel instead of selling it for a low price. Many farmers went bankrupt even before endless dust storms started stirring up soil in parts of the Great Plains. ...the heart
1: of the nation, the dust bowl. Millions of tons of sand and grit darkened the sky and smothered countless farms... Cattle was starving by the thousands. It was stark tragedy. You had
2: this catastrophe on top of the economic catastrophe, which was driving farmers into bankruptcy and out of business. Jonathan Koppis is an ag policy expert at the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, and says one way the government stepped in was to pay farmers to plant fewer crops. It was an industrial model. Like, take Ford Motor Company. If Ford Motor Company is, has too many cars on the market, it's depressing prices, what do they do? Well, they lay off workers and they close plants and try to bring the supply back down. 90 years later, the government still wants to help farmers through tough years. But now, instead of controlling supply, the government just pays farmers when crop prices dip below a certain level or revenue goes under a set amount. But it's been a while since prices went low enough for Chris Tanner, a farmer in northwest Kansas, to get one of those checks.
0: I haven't received payment in probably the last four to five years. The reason being is the reference price is far too low.
2: Reference prices are what trigger payments under Title I, the farm bill program that sends those checks. They're only set during farm bill negotiations every five years, and they're pretty low compared to today's high crop prices and costly farming expenses. Most farmers would go bankrupt before Title I support kicks in, according to Anastasia Meyer with the University of Nebraska-Lincoln.
0: This is not going to save any farmers if prices really go downhill fast. Okay,
2: so let's say that, for an example, we are... She's pulled out her laptop to look at a map with data on harvests, reference prices, and guaranteed revenue in southeast Nebraska. On average, farmers here would have to lose half their corn harvest to get $50 an acre in one program. That doesn't go very far when they're spending hundreds per acre to raise the corn. These are not making anybody rich by any means. From his farm in Kansas, Tanner puts it more strongly.
0: Title I does not work. I kind of jokingly referred to it, if we don't get the reference price raised, it's not a safety net, it's a safety asphalt. They've been saying that for 40 years.
2: Bruce Babcock is skeptical of raising reference prices after years studying ag policy at Iowa State University. He says it's a waste, especially amid high commodity prices that have boosted farm incomes. Look at the price of corn. Look at the price of soybeans. Look at the price of wheat. Babcock says the Title I money is no strings attached and doesn't even make a big difference in farmers' bottom lines. He wishes it was tied to environmental practices, preventing pollution, investing in butterfly habitats.
1: You know, anything...
0: You got a big budget, why not buy something for that money?
2: But Kapis says there's an argument that Title I protects the food supply in tough years by keeping some farms above the waterline. It's relatively cheap social insurance, kind of ensuring that, well, at the very least, we're keeping some farms in operation and we, we shouldn't have the problem. Relatively cheap social insurance? That still costs billions of dollars annually at a time when lawmakers are eyeing spending cuts. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Elizabeth Rembrandt.
0: Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including KCUR. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nuji Dean. This podcast is produced by Paris Norvell and KCUR Studios and edited by Madeline Fox. To read Celia's story on wildfires and Elizabeth's story on Title I, visit KCUR.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.
2: Hollywood writers are obsessed with the concept of an asteroid heading towards Earth and destroying civilization. But is this something we really should be worried about? I'm Kate the Chemist, and on my podcast, Seeking a Scientist, we meet the mastermind behind a real-life mission to divert the path of an asteroid. Subscribe to Seeking a Scientist, made possible by the Starris Institute.